Welcome to the Banking with Life Q&A. This is where I answer your questions concerning the infinite banking concept and becoming your own banker. In this question, James, if someone takes a vaccine for COVID-19, is their life insurance void? My understanding is that it is not FDA approved and considered experimental for emergency use only. So if someone takes the shot and passes away, would their insurance pay? Good question, Blair. I had another client email a week or so ago and she emailed an article and she asked, James, is this true? And the article from an alt-right news outlet that I'm unfamiliar with and um, not really interested in. The article states that it's not a vaccine, it's experimental, so U.S. life insurance companies are not going to pay a claim if there's an adverse reaction, i.e. death, from taking the shot. And then they referenced two other articles within that article, and there is nothing of substance in their references. And so here's my sources, right, from uh, underwriters from several U.S. life insurance companies, substantial U.S. life insurance companies, and some of their officers, presidents, vice presidents, CEOs. Um, and the fact is, if you take a shot, the COVID shot, the vaccine, I understand that it's, you know, not a vaccine, it's patented as a genotherapy, whatever, all right, whatever that is going on there. If you have an adverse reaction or you die from taking the quote-unquote vaccine, the U.S. life insurance companies are going to pay a claim. And to think any, anything different or to, for other people or for people to say that they're not going to pay is fallacious and they can't document that. Okay, The life insurance companies in the United States will pay a claim, a death claim, if you receive the vaccine and you have an adverse reaction that causes death the life insurance companies are going to pay. As a matter of fact, some age groups, uh, older age groups, go through underwriting quicker if they receive the vaccine with some companies. In this question, is it as much premium you have the ability to pay or as much in PUAs you have the ability to pay? I have an incorrectly structured policy and try to max and try max funding every year. Thanks. Listen, premium is premium is premium. PUA is premium. So when I pay a premium to a life insurance company, when I write them a check, it's either a premium or a loan repayment. All right, so if it's premium dollars that I'm paying, where is it allocated? And it depends on how your policy is structured. May have a term rider, may have a blended PUA where there's term and PUA and base whole life policy. So it's as much premium as you have the ability to wrap your mind around and pay, my opinion. But that should be done with someone that's competent. I just had a question regarding the history of IBC. I've heard somewhere that using life insurance to build wealth was practiced by people such as the Rockefellers. My understanding is that the concept using life insurance to build wealth has been around for a long time. But Mr. Nash was able to explain it in such a way to provide the average person an opportunity to use what life insurance has to offer. 
I do not want to take anything away from Mr. Nash. I'm very grateful for his work. But I just wanted some clarification about the history of IBC. My question is basically this. Has there been the practice of using life insurance in the way that Mr. Nash explains in regarding to building wealth in his book, but perhaps a different variation? I'll still buy correctly structured dividend paying whole life insurance policies any day of the week. Regardless, thank you for all the work that you do with your service and with your podcast. Well, I appreciate that. And at the end of the day, life insurance has been around for several hundred years, a couple hundred years for sure. The provisions have were developed, um, the loan provision, the cash value, things like that over time. Um, it's no secret that prior really to the 30s, the 30s is when the mutual fund industry came about. Um, our forefathers, our grandparents, our great-grandparents put their money into life insurance as a stable place to put money. You know, when there was a run on the banks in 1933, right, uh, 32, 32, 33, you know, there was also a run on the life insurance companies, right? And uh, some of the life insurance companies, I understand, I can't prove it, paid their dividends in gold. There was no problem. They had the cash values. Um, so I'm just saying that there is a history of people buying life insurance and building wealth in life insurance. You know, money really is not wealth, but as a store of money, as a store of value, they've used life insurance. Now, Nelson is the only one that I'm aware of and that, that, that added scale to that, weighted the premium to the paid up additions. Right, and he didn't use all kinds of esoteric term to do to do what he was doing, and there are reasons for that. So at the end of the day, Nelson Nash added scale to what's going on in the world and pointed out clearly the only one, the first one that pointing out pointed out that your need for finance is greater than your need for death benefit. So, yes, he's the author of the book Becoming Your Own Banker. He's the creator of the concept. That's not to say that you didn't have or cash value life insurance didn't exist prior to Nelson Nash. Of course it did. I mean, he had substantial cash values when it dawned on him that it's like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be paying more than $18,000 in interest and I should be paying $120,000 in premium. So, read his book Becoming Your Own Banker. Okay. This question, do you do policies in Arizona? Yes, we practice in Arizona. I think I practice in most all the 50 states. Next question, Bill asks, what advice do you have for individuals practicing IBC when their policies are with an insurance company that demutualizes? Well, in general, and I'm not giving specific advice for anyone, okay, but in general, you can practice the infinite banking concept with anything, CDs, cash, margin accounts, stock companies, mutual companies. Um, banking is a process, it's not a product. Right now, my opinion is the best way to practice the infinite banking concept is with a mutual company. So if you have a company that demutualizes, you have to uh, decide for yourself whether that's in your best interest to keep that or not. And I know that there's recently a Ohio company, a very old mutual company, you know, 110, 15 years old, somewhere around there, announced its demutualization. And the word on the street is everybody that's in underwriting with that company currently is going to be offered universal life policies, but that is word on the street. So I have no idea. 
So a Canadian private equity group purchased that company. In my humble opinion, they're going to shred it. Okay. Um, you know, a mutual, listen, the profits of a mutual company operate somewhere around about five to 6%. Think about this hedge funds. They don't make investments that earn five or 6%. Okay. They, they're not interested until you get nine, 10, 11, 12%. So if you have a mutual company that's historically, you know, earning or enjoying about a 6% profit and then a private equity group, right. Comes in and purchases them. You think that there's not, well, I digress. My opinion, they're going to shred the company. So if you have a company, if you own a, a stock company or a company that's demutualized or a company that's not paying dividends, it's okay to reevaluate what you have. But do it in a way and with someone who's competent and able to help you and be of service to you. All right, thanks for sharing. But look, uh, there's, no, there's nothing new in the financial world, right? So... Private equity purchases a mutual company. They demutualize it. Somebody's going to be very profitable in that. In that particular deal, in that article, the press release, they're allowing, this is a $40 billion company, and they're going to allow $500 million for the interested parties, i.e. the policyholders. What a deal. Yeah. It's, it's terrible, right, what's going on in the financial world, but it's nothing new. I mean, here, uh, the reinsurance is going to acquire all state of New York. No wonder. This is very old. You know, Genworth uh, is going to be purchased by a Chinese company, China Oceanwide. It's on, it's off. It meets, you know, all the regulatory uh, entities approve it. They don't approve it. That's what I want. I want a a Chinese company owning my life insurance or issuing my life. I want to purchase life insurance with a Chinese life insurance company. Really? Now I understand they're in the U.S. and they're regulated by the U.S. and the states. I get that. Um, am I communicating? <laughs> okay. Next question, William. Now this William's Irish, right? From New York. I listen to James as often as I can. Is he Irish? Is he Scottish? Or is he Hebrew? And thanks for asking, William. And I believe both the Scots and the Irish have uh, go back far enough in history, and I'm a Hebrew, all right? And uh, I happen to be (laughs) Scots-Irish. So I'm all of the above, sir. Just how far back in history do you want to go? My opinion. And this question, hi, James, where did you get that stat that the average day trader loses 6% a year? I heard a stat that 95% of day traders lose money but I have no proof to show anyone. Can you recall where you found that stat? Thank you. Mike, you know, I'm like you. I don't have proof. That article, you know, I'm sure I have it somewhere in some old computer hard drive somewhere. Um, But it was probably right along the article that you referenced that can't put your hands on that 95% of day traders lose money, both of which um, I believe to be correct. You know, look, when the market's up, you know, high tide rises all, all, raises all boats, you know. Um, it's easy to look good when the market's going up. And, and I'm not saying all day traders are incompetent or unsuccessful, but, you know, there's an awful lot of training programs that people spend an awful lot of money on. Um, when the rubber meets the road, what is your net net profit? You know, it's most of the time very, very unimpressive. James, what's the name of the blue paint in the behind you? You know, I do not know. I've looked 
I mean, this set is probably three or four years old. My wife picked the lovely blue, and I can't find the paint can, so I don't know. <clears throat> okay, I wanted to take out a policy on my father. What would we need to look at? His age, his income, and then what they have in force. Um, and it should be a whole life insurance policy, in my opinion. James, how does crypto and the rapture fit into IBC? Well, you know, the rapture is debatable, isn't it? Right. And then everybody has an opinion on cryptocurrency. So my opinion is this, that these events are in the future, right? If they happen or they don't happen, rapture, right? Um, and the cryptocurrencies, I, you know, I think Jordan Anderson and I just had a podcast released and he brought that up. We've talked about that. I think cryptocurrency is a psyop, and uh, but I think there's a lot of people making money and losing money in the arena of cryptocurrencies. Whatever you're going to do between now and the end of the world, between now and the end of the currency, between now and the, the economy collapsing, and I'm not saying any of those are happening, between now and whatever happens in the future, somebody's performing the banking function in your life and they're making a profit from it. My encouragement is for you to become your own banker, right? And you be profitable by being your own banker. So Nelson used to say everybody should be in two businesses. One, whatever it is you do for a living. And two, you should finance whatever it is you do for a living. Now, if you're an all-American you know, family, mom, dad, single, whatever, it doesn't matter. You don't, you're not in business per se. Right? You're still financing every major purchase that you enjoy, right? So you can become your own banker and finance with the infinite banking concept every major purchase that you're going to make between now and whatever happens in the future. So I hope that answers your question, young man. Thanks for listening. If you have a question that you would like an answer to, email us at james at bankingwithlife.com. Have a great day.